bring greetings to each one this morning. I'm thankful for the uh, Sunday school lesson. Uh, actually, there may be some uh, uh, some things that uh, might uh, be related to the message. Actually. Um, as you know, I've been preaching a series of message, messages on uh, inspiration and, and uh, formation of Scripture. And uh, just as a review, I uh, made a uh, paper here. Uh, originally, when uh, I first... Uh, preached this series of messages, and I can't remember how many years ago it was, but it was quite a while. Uh, it was, uh, I had these seven uh, messages. Uh, so far I've preached four. Uh, I'm hoping to uh, actually uh, integrate a few of these into one, so uh, this may be the I think maybe this would be the last one if I can get through what I'm what I want to say. Uh, if you remember, the the first message was a just on the general things about the Bible, um, and it was introductory to this. We talked about inspiration, how that God breathed into the writers of Scripture uh, the words that He intended them to write, and. Uh, that was without error in the original writings. Now, of course, we know that uh, in uh, copying and translating uh, from the time of the original writings, which none of them are, exist anymore, all original writings are, are non-existent, but in uh, the original writings, they were, they were without error. But uh, there are things in, uh, in copying and, and uh, uh, translating that uh, are lost from the original. But uh, uh, everyone who, who knows about this and knows the original languages have told us that there are, there's very little of doctrinal con content that's lost. It's, uh, uh, mostly just spellings and and uh, other things that are different. <clears throat> uh, we talked about how God revealed himself. God reveals himself to us in creation. And in uh, the first chapter of Romans, it tells us that's, uh, uh, this, this is the uh, criteria where heathen who have never heard the gospel will be judged is because they don't respond to God's um, uh, revelation in creation. And many who do respond to that have found uh, God through that. He also, and mostly um, uh, in, our, uh, in our settings, he reveals himself to us through his word through his inspired word. And uh, most of all, then, 
he revealed himself through the life and teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philip, uh, Philip said to Jesus once, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you, Philip, and you still don't know the Father? And so the, to uh, God revealing himself is, uh, he made himself plain. He made himself, um, uh, he showed what he was like by sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's revealed through that. We didn't talk uh, as much about interpretation. I wanted to do that this, this morning, um, a little bit about that. Uh, translation, we talked about that. The difficulties in translation. Um, you know, can everyone see here yet? I can move that up when I get toward the bottom. Um, translation, there was, there's difficulties in translation. Uh, languages change, words change. Uh, even in English, uh, words are different than now than when they were when uh, the Bible was first translated into the English language. And so there's difficulties in translation. We talk about different versions. I introduced the book to you, uh, the story behind the versions. If you want to borrow that book from me, you, you're, you can. Uh, I think Dwight has a copy too, and if uh, he might be willing to, if he loans books out, he might be willing to let you read his. And maybe some of the others have bought it, but uh, it's, a, it, it, it's a good book, and it has some warnings about versions. Uh, there are versions that are not safe. There are, there are um, paraphrases that are called versions of the Bible, which actually should be used for no more than just a commentary because they, de uh, they deviate from the original intent of the scripture. And so we, we talked about translating. Uh, illumination. I'll talk about that a little more this morning and the application of the scripture as well. When we think about interpretation, what does it mean? And why is there a need to interpret the Bible? Well, the Bible is written in uh, figurative language. It's, um, I'm gonna move this up just a little bit in case you didn't get the bottom there. Uh, the Bible is written in uh, different, uh, different ways in, uh, it's written in figurative language or much, there are parables. Uh, there are cultural differences from the time the Bible was first written. Uh, difference is in culture and what that we, um, that we, uh, that they're different from ours. And so uh, we need to interpret. There needs to be a good uh, interpretation when we read the scripture. Uh, uh, to define interpretation would be the idea of arriving at the exact, in, exact intent of the author. Uh, to discover through diligent study the thoughts of God given to us in his divine word. There's, uh, there's differences of opinion. And so we, we need to uh, together uh, arrive at what the Bible actually means. And uh, we need to uh, 
Well, word, uh, I mentioned also word meanings uh, changing from century to century. Uh, there's different traditions, and uh, tradition must always answer to the Word of God. We can't, uh, we can't um, have a tradition that, that's not backed up by God's Word. Not all tradition is wrong. Uh, we have the danger of end-time apostasy. The Bible warns us that in the very end of time that uh, men will fall away. They will go away. There will be much false teaching. There will be much uh, uh, deception. And so we need to be able to uh, arrive at the intent of the scriptures and what God wants us uh, to, to know. Um, we need to uh, we need to look at the the Bible in its context. You know, we can't take a verse and just move it off by itself and um, make a, a doctrine of it. Um, there are uh, there are things of history that we uh, that are will help us if we if we look into the uh, uh, the things of uh, like a uh, historical idea of helping us in our inter uh, interpretation. When we have information from history, um, just one example in Isaiah, he talks about uh, Isaiah forty six eleven. He talks about a ravenous bird from the east. So if you're reading the Bible and you come across this. Statement: A ravenous bird from the east. What is it? Well, if we if we have a bit of uh, history behind this, we know that uh, the uh, Chaldean and Babylonian Empire came into the the Bible lands from the east and over overran the, them. And so, those are just things that help us to understand a little better what the Scripture is speaking of. We need to uh, we need to understand the fulfill, ful, uh, fulfillment of the old covenant by the new. And this helps us in interpreting the, the New Testament because the Old Testament they talked of some things that. Uh, and I'm going to use one example here. I'm going to turn to uh, Jeremiah 31. Just read a few verses here. Starting at verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. 
and uh, he, he mentions that in, uh, in the context of speaking to Israel. Uh, now turn to Hebrews 8. And the writer of Hebrews goes back and, and uh, brings us into the new covenant and the new, uh, new era, the New Testament, and uh, we'll read from, uh, read verses 6 and 7 in uh, Hebrews 8. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better, co better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continue not in my covenant, and I required, regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. And so uh, Paul, or if Paul wrote Hebrews, doesn't say who wrote Hebrews, but the writer to the Hebrews then brings this old, um, this is what God, God gave in the Old Testament, brings into the new. And in the new, it's not only for Israel, but it's for all, the Gentiles as well. And so we, we understand and we need to interpret and, uh, uh, the New Testament by, or the Old Testament by looking at the new and comparing. Uh, also, comparing one scripture with another is uh, a way of, of uh, interpretation. In Psalm uh, 2, verse 7, uh, what he says there is, uh, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. It's clearly a, a messianic prophecy talking about Christ. And uh, when we think of, uh, of, of him being begotten, we think maybe that's talking about the birth of Christ. But if we go into, uh, into Acts 13... Um, Luke quotes this here, quotes that scripture. Actually, it's, uh, I think Paul was speaking there. Acts 13, verse uh, Acts 13, verse 33. And he said unto them, Go ye, I'm in Luke, no wonder it didn't look right. Well, I'll start, uh, I'll start in verse 31. And he was seen many days of them 
talking about Christ, which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And so in the second psalm, it's not prophesying of God's, of Jesus' birth, but it's talking about his resurrection. And this is made clear then in, as Paul talks here in the New Testament. <clears throat> we need to interpret the Bible with the Lord Jesus Christ in mind. He talks about, in the Old Testament, um, about Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And Jesus quotes that scripture, saying that even he must be lifted up. So we see these uh, uh, interpreting the scripture as a whole, um, not taking just... Uh, taking a scripture and just uh, going away with it. Um, someone, uh, someone made the comment, you can, say, you can make the Bible say anything you want to. Um, actually, that might be partly true. It's maybe in your own mind, but you can't make the Bible say something that's false because it isn't false. It's only as people don't handle the Word of God uh, rightly. Uh, Brother Warren talked about the uh, minister that was worried about uh, hairstyles, and and uh, so he was where the women had their hair up on top of their head, and he, uh, the preacher wanted to get him to change it, so he looked for something that said, top not come down. and. Uh, there in uh, Matthew twenty four seventeen, he found that verse. Uh, Jesus said, "If you're in the housetop, not come down to get things out of your house." Uh, it was a warning there, and he used that wrongly. He he used it to say something that the Bible doesn't actually say. Uh, another example I heard was that uh, a man was too lazy to split wood and he had a Bible verse for it. It said, what God has joined together, let, my, let not man put asunder. Um, those are just two examples of mistranslation, mis, uh, misinterpreting the scripture. Some important qualifications for understanding and interpreting the word of God. I have a, a few listed here. First of all is uh, You must be born again. We must have uh, a relationship with the Lord Jesus in order for us to interpret pro properly. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, there needs to be, if we're to uh, 
interpret uh, properly, there needs to be obedient faith. Uh, this is what Hebrews 4, 1 and 2 says. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us, left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Uh, we need to have a prayerful attitude. If any, if any of you lack wisdom, it says in James uh, 1, 5, and 6, If any of you a uh, lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Uh, we need to have love for God if, in order to understand the scriptures properly. First uh, John 1, uh, starting at verse 6, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. We need, uh, we need to study the Bible diligently. It's not just uh, you know, reading and, and setting it aside, but uh, the, the Word of God needs to be studied diligently uh, in order for us to interpret properly. We need to be like uh, the Berean Christians that it talks about in Acts uh, 17. And it says, uh, the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas uh, by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. They had sincere motives to know what uh, the Bible really says. And that's one of the things uh, when we interpret the Word of God for our lives, um, we need to have sincere motives. Are we looking for what God wants us to know, what God wants to speak to us, or are we, we, um, are we making up our mind and have preconceived ideas, and then we look for a scripture to back up what we're, what we think. In uh, in interpreting the scripture, we need to have a have meekness and humility. This verse is from Isaiah 66, verse 2. For all these things hath mine hand made, and all these things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. To um, well, maybe just a, uh, another list here. I have reasons for misinterpretation. I talked a little about that preconception. Um, what we we think um, the Bible should say, and then we look for verses to back up what we think. Um, the Bible talks about uh, spiritual dullness.
these verses from uh, Isaiah 6. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. And Jesus quotes these verses then in, uh, in the New Testament in Matthew 13. He says, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them was fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Uh, the, the tenor of that scripture is the idea that people are, have, uh, are dull of understanding. They, they're, they just close their minds to, uh, to the scripture, close their minds to what God is saying. And if they do that long enough, then finally they become, they just can't understand. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 to 20, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And, uh, and so we have this idea then that uh, people just don't understand the scripture. They've uh, ignored it so long, uh, it can be ignored so long that it's just not understood anymore. Talked about uh, disregarding context, moving, taking scripture and isolating it. We need to look at scripture in its proper context. The idea then of uh, illumination. The need for uh, illumination of the scripture, of uh, shedding light, that idea of illumination is the idea of set, uh, shedding light on uh, the scripture. The source of light, of course, we know is God. God is light. Um, just a few verses, James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God said in the beginning, he said, let there be light, and there was light. God, was, God is the source of light. That's speaking of natural light, but spiritual light also. Uh, verse 19 of... Uh, Isaiah 60 says this, The sun shall no more light be, uh, be thy light by day, neither for the brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. The sun shall no more go down, neither shall the moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy morning shall be ended. I'm not, I know we can uh, 
we can um, put this verse off into the future and it, it fits there because sometime uh, in the next life God will be the light. He said there won't be any uh, need for the sun or the moon. But if we think of it in a spiritual way, uh, when we get to know the Lord, he provides light for us. And he can uh, provide illumination for the scriptures. Um, Jesus, uh, I have these verses here. Okay, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit coming. Uh, John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whether, whatsoever I have said unto you. Howbeit, and this is in, uh, the, in John 16 then, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore saith he, saith I, that, uh, that he shall take of mine, and show it unto you. First uh, John 2, verse 20, uh, says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. And verse 27 of that same chapter says, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. We need to rely on the, the Holy Spirit to help us um, understand the word of God. Um, you know, before the Holy Spirit came, the disciples heard Jesus' words, and um, much of it they, you know, much of it they, they talked about and discussed. But it seemed like they were so slow of understanding, and so uh, uh, they didn't understand. But when the Holy Spirit came, when uh, on the day of Pentecost, and it seemed like then the light came on, and. Um, they understood. And so we have the Word of God. Um, we need to interpret it properly. And we need to... Um, uh, we need to have a, the whole, a trust in the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word so that we can understand. And then we need to apply the Word of God. Apply it to our hearts and lives. There's a connecting scripture here between these two. I'd like to read uh, from Second Corinthians. And that uh, is in chapter 4. Starting at verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have received mercy... As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, 
who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. <clears throat> we, um, we need to apply the scriptures to our hearts and lives. Uh, the Bible does us no good if it's um, put up on the shelf and gathers dust. Uh, it needs to be applied. Uh, the word the word of God was not written only for one culture, only for one generation, but it was written for all people of all times. And so we need to apply to our lives and our situation and our culture, apply the word of God. There's, um, I think of an illustration, and... Uh, this is just an illustration, um, and I like this um, picture on the front of your quarterly. Um, an illustration is like a scaffold, and you see this here, all of this scaffolding around this. It's talking about the restoring order in the church and building up, and I, I suppose. But um, when you uh, use an illustration to illustrate a point, uh, it's the truth that's important. It's not the illustration. Now when you build a building and you need all this scaffolding and uh, when it's all done, the building needs to stand without it. And that's the way it is with an illustration. So um, this is an illustration of how we need to apply the Word of God. Uh, I, was with, uh, I was in a museum once and some of my grandsons were there, grandchildren were along. And, um, and I can't remember which ones it wa was, and I can't remember where the museum was. But this, th this is what I remember. Uh, there was a, in a room in this museum, there was an uh, anti-aircraft gun set up. Uh, something that they might have used in, I don't know, maybe World War II, I'm not sure. But um, you could sit in the seat and you could move the, the levers and the handles and you could swing the barrel around and move it up and down. And, and um, my, my grandsons loved this. They, they had a good time in there. You could hardly get them to get out of the room to look at something else. But um, that, uh, that anti-aircraft gun in modern warfare is absolutely useless. It's... Um, it's not something that they can use, and that's why it's in a museum. There's other things like uh, old blunderbusses and old uh, uh, flintlock rifles or uh, guns that they used back in the, in the early wars, and these things are useless in modern warfare. They're just, uh, all they're good for is to hang on the wall, to be in museums, and uh, to gather dust. To many people, that's what uh, the Word of God is like. They, they look at it as a old, uh, an old book, perhaps it's a good, uh, it's maybe just a, a book of great literary or histor historical value, 
they look at it as um, that maybe it was produced by some great men, but uh, to them it's just a relic, and um, and it's not applied. You know those old weapons when they were applied in skillful hands, they were they were um, effective, but they became useless because there were something replaced them. But there's nothing to replace the Word of God. And the Word of God is, is good in every culture. It's good in every time. It's good in every, uh, for every age. It only needs to be applied. And it can't be, uh, it can't be viewed as a book that is outdated. The Bible is never outdated. The Bible is not only authentic, but it's authoritative. And the word of God must be applied to our life and situation. How do we apply the word of God to our situation? How do you apply the word of God to your life? When, uh, when you have a uh, a problem and you wonder about things, is there a scripture that comes to your mind? Are you familiar enough with the scripture so that you can apply it to any any situation in your life? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, things that we face in our day may not be specifically named in the scripture. Things like uh, drug abuse and um, uh, wrong programs, wrong music, fashions, um, commercial sports, and some of these things may not be addressed directly in the scripture, but there's principles that apply. And so we need to make application and apply them to our present time. Uh, one good way to apply the scriptures is to have a Bible-based written discipline. Um, now I know there's probably differences of opinion here. I know one man that said he didn't want to go to a church that has uh, 25 or 30 rules all in a row. Maybe he said more than that. I'm not sure. And so he was, he was not uh, interested in a church that had a, a written discipline. It was recognized uh, early in the Anabaptist movement that there was needful for uh, something in writing uh, so that uh, people would know uh, and agree on what to believe. And I know that, uh, that this idea of a written discipline can be abused. Uh, sometimes people will say, as long as they keep the rules, it doesn't matter what they do. But um, uh, that's, 
that's one that's a ditch on one side of the road um, the ditch on the other side of the road is to not make any application at all and just do whatever and this one does that and this the next one does something else and and um, and so we have we in our church here we have a written discipline and uh, it's Bible-based if you go through that and I'm not sure how often you do but if you go through that little booklet um, almost every point has Bible references and um, this is one way that we can uh, collectively um, apply the scriptures to our to our situation and to our church and uh, I'm um, I'm encouraged when uh, we have um, have council meeting and many of you will say that you're glad for the discipline glad for the uh, what we believe and uh, it's it's a good way to apply, uh, to make application of the scriptures to our lives. We are, we're, um, we have the responsibility as parents, as fathers, as older ones, to pass on those uh, principles and to pass them on to our children so that uh, these principles will not be lost. I'd like to uh, do something just a little different. I would like to open this up. I know we had a good discussion in Sunday school class, but I'd like to open this up and is there anything that you would like to say about formation, in inspiration of the scriptures, anything in, uh, that we've gone through in these, these, um, this series of messages? Maybe you have questions that weren't answered. Uh, what would you like to contribute here? with along that same line is the idea of uh, the verses in the Bible that say that uh, the word of God will never pass away. Grass withers, flowers fade, people come and go, but the word of God is sure, it stands forever.
this was um, actually coming back to the Sunday school lesson a bit. Um, when we talk about uh, public worship, really, uh, worship is in the heart. That's what Jesus said. Uh, they that worship me must worship in spirit and in truth. And uh, so, uh, what we do are our Sunday school lessons, um, and it's pretty routine. And this is a problem to some people. They say, well, worship service is boring. You know, you know how many songs are going to be sung? You know when the, when the superintendent's going to get up? You know when the preacher's going to preach? It's all, there's no uh, spontaneous. <laughs> Uh, and this is a problem to some people, but you know, uh, my feeling and my testimony is that it's these, uh, these common, ordinary things that really move me to worship. Because worship is in the heart, it's not, it's not in the, uh, the outward things we do. That only, that, those are only aids in worship. Actual worship is in the heart. And so it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a problem to us if, if there's a certain order, a certain routine. Because God says that there's order in the church. And uh, we need to view the scripture that way as well. That uh, God creates order and he has made uh, the, the Bible an orderly book. And it's the same. I mean, you read it today, you read it tomorrow. I, I heard a missionary one time give a little um, devotional. And he said he was on a, sh on a ship and he read John 3.16 and, and he said then they crossed the equator and he read it again and he said it was the same. Well, that's, <laughs> that's simple. But uh, it's the way it is. The Bible is routine. It's orderly. And uh, it's as we, as we read it and study, as we gain new insights and uh, trust the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word of God and apply it to our hearts and lives is a blessing.